Welcome everybody to Web and Beyond Live. I'm Ray Sidney Smith, president of W3 Consulting and managing director of W3C Web Services, which provides affordable WordPress and web hosting, domain name registration services and the like. And so this is Web and Beyond Live for October 5th, 2020. And uh, my opportunity to come to you and talk about things that are happening in the world of digital marketing and productivity technologies and otherwise that affect small business. And so uh, welcome everybody. And so let's get right into this uh, show today. I've got a lot to cover. Uh, I'm compacting uh, a, a uh, an episode that I normally do once a month, which talks about Google and uh, and then all of the social media updates in this for a very good reason, which is that it is National Cybersecurity Awareness Month. And so the next three episodes of the month, the next three Mondays, we'll be covering some cybersecurity topics and I'll talk about that at the end of the show. But because of that, all of the news from <laughs> the past uh, several weeks uh, and month regarding Google, I'm pushing into this episode. So we have a lot to cover. And so um, let's get started. Uh, so let's go into some um, updates regarding Google, and then I will talk about some of the social media things that are happening out there in the world. So uh, let's pull up our first story, which is a kind of a, a bunch of little uh, upgrades relating to Google. And I just wanted to bring this to everyone's attention. So first and foremost, uh, there is a, a wide variety of updates to Google Docs. And uh, so Google Drive, Docs Sheets, Slides, and Google Slides, all, all under one umbrella, they are being given visitor sharing access. So Google is now giving inside of G Suite the ability for you to share access to particular documents using a pin code as a mechanism for sharing and collaborating. This is a huge, huge opportunity for everyone to be able to now not, for those who don't have a Google account or say don't want a Google account, they are now able to go ahead and interact and engage with Drive, Google Drive that is, folders, Docs, Sheets, Slides, and Google Sites. So if you're a G Suite installation and you are using Google Sites for either intranet purposes or for your websites, you can now go ahead and share and give a pin code, say to a website developer or to someone else, and they can go ahead now and access that page uh, for whatever type of access you wanna give to them for view, comment, and edit purposes. This is really powerful, and so I'm looking forward to uh, playing around with this myself. There are many times when we want to be able to give uh, temporary access to someone and or access for uh, other purposes, and that person may not have a Google account. And so this just gives us uh, that capability. Next up in line with more Google Docs, Google Drive type up updates, uh, Google Docs is now adjusting their line spacing based on the font type, basically based on the on the typeface that is being chosen. So you can see here in the image uh, that you can you can see that Times New Roman uh, 10 points, uh, this Sue Ellen Franche Francisco and Comic Sans MS, each of these fonts are displaying different line height based on that is line spacing based on the uh, the font that is selected, which makes a lot of sense. And they have gone ahead and specified these requirements uh, based on the formatting combinations in their system. So everybody will see this. It's rolling out to everybody. And so now you will see these changes uh, coming across the board. Uh, next up, uh, Android is getting the ability to edit Office documents. So if you are now uh, a web user who is who is used to using Office documents, Microsoft Office, Microsoft Excel, and uh, Microsoft Word, Excel, or uh, uh, Microsoft PowerPoint, you will now be able to you, you've been able to edit Microsoft Office documents directly in the web browser. That functionality has now come to Android, and now you'll be able to open up native Word, uh, Excel, and PowerPoint files in your Android applications. And now you will be in Office compatibility mode and you will be able to go ahead and edit those documents, save them in their native format, and then uh, continue on with your day. Really great um, addition there. Now, the next story is really about the uh, shortcuts feature that Google Drive implemented, I think back in April it was, um, I can't remember when, but uh, this was quite some time ago, but now they are expanding uh, the, the concept of shortcuts uh, beyond just 
the existing functions. So this is important for us all who are using Google Drive in any way, shape, or form. Uh, this will impact all Google users, uh, so Google users as well as G Suite users. But in essence, uh, before, you would create links to documents and or create duplications of documents in order to share them with people uh, in different uh, ways. Google is trying to clean that up so that we don't have as much redundancy in terms of files and folders across systems, and they're trying to do that in the most kind of um, streamlined way. That includes the uh, creation of shortcuts using Shift-Z on uh, desktop computer. So if you're in the desktop and you're inside the browser uh, and you're inside Google Drive, you will use Shift Z, the keyboard combination, hold down Shift, tap Z, and it will create a link to a file um, or a series of files when you um, copy them to a different location. So Shift Z and you will be taken to a, a place to be able to um, you know, select those items and it'll just create a shortcut and then you can manually move those shortcuts uh, to a, say a folder or otherwise. Now if you s select a folder and click Shift Z, it will actually um, add that um, folder to a new location and those files will be duplicated so that they will be available for offline access using the backup and sync application that, that Google provides. So just be mindful of the fact that there's a little bit of a difference between files that are uh, linked to a an original file using Shift Z and folders, which will be uh, duplicated in essence, uh, so that they can be uh, made available offline. But obviously, Google is going to be working to make this uh, more seamless over time, and I think this will be uh, really great once they get it. I think in the future, get it all cleared up. But either way, just know that this is now available, and uh, you can uh, use it. Okay, uh, next is uh, kind of the last bit in kind of the Google Drive, Google uh, G Suite space in terms of interface, but Google has brought about their um, final piece to the G Suite integration of mail, chat, what they call rooms, and Google Meet in the Android interface. So now you should see that happen across all Android devices. You should be able to see your mail messages. You should see your chat. Uh, functionality uh, in, in the bottom of your screen, rooms, which are basically a file sharing space where you see your chat files and tasks associated with a group of, of, of project-based items, and then of course your Google Meet uh, button for meetings. And, uh, and meetings actually also got a great new um, update, and we'll talk about that in a moment, uh, but the really cool thing still in Gmail is if you are in a Gmail message now and you use the plus sign or the at symbol, you will actually be able to get a drop-down menu of the people you have in your contacts database. Uh, and when that, when that person's name shows up, you select that name, and because the plus sign or the at symbol was before their name and you, you clicked on their name, it will now add that person's name to the to field of the email message in which you're working. So if you happen to be writing an email message and you recognize that another person needs to be included in that message, you don't have to change your focus to the to field and type in a name. You can address them directly in the body of the message, you know, at Tom, and he will get then added to the to field of the message as well. So. Nice feature being added to Android that was already available on the desktop web. So if you didn't know, it was available on the desktop web. Okay, uh, which brings us, as I said, to the Google Meet update. In essence, Google Meet got a refresh. Uh, the application got a, a new uh, UI, user interface, and we have now the view of Google Meet in the application now looks just kind of sleek. It's a, just a nice look and feel. You'll see a listing of your upcoming meetings. You can create a new meeting or join a meeting from the top of the page. It's just a very easy, streamlined view. It's what Google is pretty much doing with all of their applications and creating this very uh, nice open space uh, format, which looks very clean and nice, and I, and I like it. Okay, continuing on with Google Meet, uh, now on the desktop at least, you can uh, see up to 49 people, including yourself, inside of Google Meet. So now when you go into Google Meet, that tiling is now capable and you'll see up to 49 people in the uh, Brady Bunch squares <laughs> that you normally see in the interface, which is really nice to be able to get that many people onto screen uh, so that people don't get buried in uh, the meeting and you don't get to see them. So you can hold up to 49 people on screen. And 
a really great feature that I'm excited to actually use more and more. I use this in Zoom a lot, and now we'll be able to do this uh, in Google Meet, which is whiteboarding. You're now going to be able to use the digital whiteboard and uh, and whiteboard directly in the uh, meetings. Um, I'm I haven't seen it yet, but it looks like um, I'm I'm hoping that this actually comes beyond just using Jamboards because they cost X numbers of thousands of dollars. Um, but uh, hopefully we'll see this being a, a digital option available to all of us, not just those who have Jamboard. So I'm hoping that we we see this bring and come to uh, all devices just using the screen or you know your mouse or otherwise. Uh, and then uh, I think this is the last item in uh, my notes regarding, yes. Uh, so this is my last note regarding G Suite updates in Google Meet, which is that Google Meet now has the ability to filter out background noise. And, uh, and so before this was only available to uh, enterprise users, but now we're gonna see this uh, across all uh, you know, G Suite users. So if you're a basic business, education, nonprofit, you're gonna see this across everybody. Um, oh no, it says availability not for those folks. So it's still only enterprise and education. My mistake. I thought this was going to be for everybody. Um, so forget it. You're not yet available to use uh, the disruptive noise uh, cancellation. They were going to do uh, noise noise reduction and noise cancellation. I'm thinking they're going to bring this to everybody eventually, but at the present moment, it looks like it is still only available for enterprise and enterprise for education. I, I read that wrong. I thought it said available for, and I got excited. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, next up is just a reminder. I've mentioned this in past episodes, but Google has uh, made um, a couple of options available uh, to businesses now. One is that if you're doing any set of Google local ads, uh, one of their inventory ads, the local inventory ads, adds the pickup later feature. So now what you're gonna be able to do is to choose a, a, a pickup time when you are running an ad in your local ads. So if you're selling a product and you wanna be able to give folks the option to be able to select a date in the future in which they can pick it up, this is now possible in the um, in, in the interface. And so if you're running Google ads, be, be aware that you now have this in an, inside the local inventory ads settings. So very um, excited about that. Uh, Google has also uh, made free, I'm not sure where this note is, I had it here before, but I've seemed to have lost it. Um, anyway, the point is, is that Google has also made uh, free the ability for you to list your product feed into the Merchant Center. So if you have not already done that, uh, or if at one point you were paying for it and you stopped and took yourself out of the Google Merchant Center, go back to the Google Merchant Center and put your product feed in because now you will be re-indexed by Google, Google Shopping and it's free. And at least during the pandemic, they're gonna uh, keep it free maybe um, longer than that, but make sure that you are in and on Google Shopping to be able to get yourself seen uh, by the search engine. Okay. Um, next up, sorry, I lost my spot here. <laughs> um, let's see, where is it? There we are. Okay. So, uh, next up is a couple of, of things. Google has announced the launch of a product from their, uh, they have a, they have this area 120, which is an innovation, uh, area of their business. And they've launched a new product called, called tables. Now tables is very interesting. Tables is akin. If you know what Airtable is in essence, it is like Microsoft access, uh, but much more flavored around uh, a Microsoft Excel uh, interface versus, say, a, a set of forms. Uh, if you've ever used Microsoft Access in, in the past, basically there's a relational database in the background. In the front end, you can create forms and other interface, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, user interface pieces that people can interact with for entering data or accessing data out of it. And what Google is doing here is making it uh, very easy to use what they call bots, basically little automation uh, scripts to be able to do things for folks as they make their way through project management. So it's a work tracking tool and I'm really excited to, to kind of play around with it myself. And it allows you to be able to just map out projects and easily uh, integrate those with other Google tools, right? So you can uh, import data from Google Sheets. You can get data um, into a Google group with others. And uh, of course you can assign tasks using your Google tasks and otherwise. Uh, these are available both in free and paid plans for Google. So very exciting to see uh, this tool 
I will be playing around with it, and I'm sure I'll be talking about it again in the future. But just know that it is now available for you to create these, this project management uh, directly within the Google ecosystem if you're already there. Uh, I wanted to mention uh, just very briefly that uh, YouTube put out this blog post, and, and I'll put links to all of this, these things in the show notes, uh, but the uh, but they put out this article regarding diversifying YouTube revenue, revenue, and this is for creators and artists who are doing more on YouTube and creating more content on YouTube. Uh, you know that I've been experimenting with this notion of creating more content going live here every week, and just kind of what that all means for a lot of my clients and, and uh, the greater small business community, and just seeing what YouTube is talking about in terms of the creation of content and monetizing that content. So what they've really been uh, talking about is uh, going live and utilizing some features within the YouTube experience to be able to do that. So one, of course, is monetizing uh, live videos in some way, shape, or form. So they see, see here using uh, Super Chat, which allows people to, at a certain uh, a subscriber level, you can have people uh, send money. I actually experienced this for the first time watching a channel the other day. Uh, you could see that the uh, it was a news uh, uh, publication, so they were uh, talking and talking, and people were actually uh, tipping, you know, putting money into the the account of that particular YouTube channel uh, as like a, a thank you for uh, doing that content. So it was very interesting to watch them do that. You can also uh, kind of purchase stickers to use in the platform. So very interesting little um, space here where where YouTube is in essence, giving creators and art artists the ability to monetize uh, the interaction and engagement within a live stream. Uh, then you have uh, the option of being able to set up merchandise, uh, a merchant, what they call a shelf in YouTube channels. Uh, you have to be eligible for it, meaning having enough subscribers and, and yada, yada, yada. Uh, and then you can then, uh, you know, have sell merchandise basically in, in your own little store on your YouTube channel. Uh, you can have membership uh, so people can become members of the channel, in which they can get not only access to the normal channel content, but also custom perks and other exclusive content that you create for the channel. Uh, and there is a lot more that YouTube is really trying to do in all of this, uh, and that's why I just want to uh, direct everybody that if you're interested in any of this, there is a tool, there are a set of toolkits within what's called the Creator Academy, and there's a link to that in this blog post. Uh, but if you are thinking about doing more on YouTube and wanting to uh, kind of diversify revenues in that space, you should really think about how um, YouTube is talking about it, and then going from there and figuring out what the pieces are for. Uh, making that happen just a very interesting world of of monetizing the uh the experience of um of um, creating live video content or any types of other content on social media it's just a very interesting world and i'm i'm fascinated to learn more about it as we make our way forward okay um i wanted to talk about a couple of things um one uh now um, so end of end of segment on google <laughs> And I know that was uh, quite a bit, but um, I want to talk about um, social media now and the various updates across social media. And this is one of those things where I came across this today and it, um, it I have to say it, it irritated me. So <laughs> I wanted to just make sure uh, that everybody is aware of, of really what's happening here. So um, as you can see, uh, Gene Marks, who is a, is a uh, you know, an honorable and noted uh, um, individual in the small business space. He's been reporting on uh, on on many different things around marketing for many years. Uh, but he he wrote this article, and it says 81% of U.S. adults do not regularly use Twitter. Um, that is patently false. Um, that is a false statement, and it is um, and it is misleading for a lot of people about this. Now his main point in the article, to be quite honest, is actually that. Uh, as he notes here at the bottom of the article, uh, he says, you know, uh, he says most of his clients um, probably aren't on Twitter, and that's fine. Um, but he's saying to us, small business owners, as I would say to you, yes, you need to do your research. You need to know where your audience is, and you need to put content in front of the in the places, on the channels, uh, on the platforms that you believe your uh, target audience is going to see. I agree with that. No question asked. But as you can see from the highlighted paragraph in this article, he notes that according to Pew Research, uh, that 
uh, only 22% of U.S. adults are active on Twitter. This is a 2018 study. And then he notes 2010 U.S. Census data to start to make his argument here. Um, and this is where this argument completely falls apart. First and foremost, this article was posted on October 5th. That is today, right? And if we just hop over to uscensus.gov, uh, you can see at the top of the page here, he notes a U.S. population. Let's just snap back here. He notes a U.S. population of, of uh, in 2010, of roughly 308 million people in the country. Okay, so let's hop over to US, uh, uscensus.gov, and you can see there, right on the main page, um, as of yesterday, we had 330 million U.S. Uh, you know people, you know, population of, uh, in the U.S. of roughly 330 million people. So, um, so we're already 22 million people. Um, <laughs> Uh, different, um, you know, difference in in that perspective, um, and so wh why did we not get to account for the 28 million other uh, Americans here in the country? Uh, so so let's take that point um, aside and let's look at some other really important data here. Now, uh, yes, it has been noted that 22% of of adults in the U.S. use Twitter. However, it's um, fairly um, usually not explained that we have roughly about a half billion people who visit Twitter uh, every month uh, who are not logging into Twitter. And what this really means is that people go to Twitter because they see a link in social media. People link to Twitter all over the place. And, uh, and you know, news outlets are showing tweets on screen. We have tweets embedded in all kinds of blog posts and in other material around the web. And people click on those things without ever being logged into Twitter. And we call them logged out users. And those non-users or logged out users access content, click on links, and go to other people's websites and blogs and articles and so on and so forth. And that is never tracked as being a user of Twitter. So as you can see here, um, you know, 22% of U.S. adults on Twitter. Now, if you take any of the other social networks on there, in order to really interact and engage with the content, you are usually uh, logged into those persistently. That is. Uh, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, LinkedIn, Snapchat, all of those are either app-based and utilized in a, a very clear logged-in state, whereas Twitter, that is not the case. So I'm not arguing that your audience is on Twitter. I'm also not arguing that there is a smaller audience on Twitter than is on any of the other social networks, but the power and veracity of Twitter to be able to drive traffic should never be underestimated. Uh, there's a reason why uh, the President of the United States is on Twitter, there's, uh, and that is because it gets in front of the media, and the media has a lot of uh, power in being able to both amplify and uh, be made aware of content related to your business. So never underestimate the power of Twitter and its ability to be able to propagate traffic, real, you know, real traffic to your website. Uh, so just just be aware of this kind of content being put out that really uh, misses the mark, no pun intended against Gene Marx's name, uh, but misses the mark in terms of um, understanding that Twitter is a powerful social network. Whether or not the numbers are the largest in the country, 22% um, of the US population, um, especially the population that is getting in front of the right people, um, is a powerful network. And we shouldn't um, you know, try to diminutize that in some way, shape, or form. Um, and so that's just my, that's my soapbox on that subject. <laughs> um, I do want to talk about a couple of things. So Facebook just had their Facebook communities summit. Uh, it's online and I'll put a link to it in the, in the, in the video, uh, uh, description. So you can go ahead and, and watch it if you want to, but the entire event was recorded. It was online. And so it's there for you. Uh, and what they, um, what they did was, um, they talked about a number of different, uh, new features with Facebook groups. And, uh, so. Uh, the one kind of major Facebook group uh, new feature that they uh, announced was the ability for this um, tool, this feature called Admin Assist. And Admin Assist allows Facebook group administrators to, in essence, set 
and select uh, the type of content and other um, administrative and moderation functions that you want to kind of automate and then Facebook groups will do that function for you so if you don't want people posting uh, say self-promotional materials and other things to your Facebook group you can set in some uh, parameters inside of admin assist and then it'll go ahead and uh, look for those things and block them or give you moderation control to be able to release them um, at your leisure so um, that's very powerful the the point uh, that I think is most important here is that Facebook is looking for more and more users to both discover and join Facebook groups. So if you have an active community on Facebook, if you're trying to build an active community and Facebook is where your target audience is, where your target market is existing, then uh, think Facebook groups here. This is going to be very important and powerful going forward to understand that. So if you have a Facebook page, you can create a Facebook group that lives kind of within the Facebook page, and that's where you want to direct new uh, visitors to you, to your social experience, uh, to your social presence, to that Facebook group. Joining the Facebook group gives you greater access and, and kind of um, engagement with users, and it's not the same as Facebook pages where you may post it, it may show up in their feed, it may not show up in their feed, but when people go into Facebook groups, they see a lot more of your content and they engage more with your content in that space. So very very powerful um, uh, tools there and they have like I said they've added a whole bunch of other features uh, into the system uh, in addition to admin assist they have also added uh, more functionality for being able to create topics within groups you're also able to do group promotions with uh, basically influencers by going to the brand collabs manager and in essence uh, connecting there as well. Um, more to do with real-time chat and other functions there, more discovery of the public groups. And they've also created this new group type, which I thought was interesting, which allows people to, in essence, uh, create more like stories type uh, posts within the content and have it more like a like an ongoing series of Instagram or Facebook stories snapchat stories like in that vertical experience so I'm very much looking forward to seeing how that works as well um, and um, I just wanted to talk very very uh, briefly about some of the other things that um, Facebook has been announcing uh, let's see here. So Facebook announced an integration of Messenger and Instagram Direct. So in essence, now you're going to have more and more of the features that you have in Facebook Messenger are now being transitioned over to Instagram for direct messaging. I'm presuming at some point, as uh, Mark Zuckerberg noted uh, before, is that he really wants to combine WhatsApp uh, Facebook Messenger and Instagram direct messages into one silo, one integrated messaging platform, I think this is the first step into it. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the Messenger and, uh, Messenger database and the Instagram database weren't now in some way, shape, or form merged in the background. Not sure. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to learn more about it. But that they've brought all of the features of Messenger, uh, in essence, to Instagram Direct, it makes uh, makes a lot of sense that they are in essence trying to uh, move in that direction. Now, if you're doing and running Facebook ads, be be mindful of the fact that Facebook just recently uh, removed its 21-day attribution model for conversions. So, in ads, you have three different types of ads in Facebook ads. Uh, you have awareness ads, you have consideration ads, and you have conversion ads. When you set up that conversion ad, uh, you you know you select purchase you know as a conversion in the system, for example, and uh, you would normally have a much longer attribution for uh, clicks um, from those ads into your system. Uh, but because of the way that uh, privacy uh, practices are being changed in browsers, uh, Facebook has to adapt. And so now they're only holding it open for 28 days, which means if you have a three-month-long advertising campaign uh, running in the system, it's only going to show you the last 28 days worth of attribution from those clicks. So the amount of accuracy is going to be reduced uh, for the longer periods of campaigns. The uh, best guess um, uh, practice, the workaround then, is to run campaigns in 28-day sprints. So you would basically run a 28-day ad campaign and then rerun that, restart it in essence, uh, so that the, the attribution model would then show you the timestamping for each of those so you're not losing some of that data. You're going to lose no, some of the data no matter what, but at least you're um, capable of getting a little bit more accuracy maybe from um, starting and stopping new campaigns, basically duplicating them and restarting them every 28 days. I'm not sure. We're still kind of playing that out, uh, but just know 
that they did announce that a few days ago, and uh, and so they're going to be removing that um, beyond 28-day option. They also noted something very interesting uh, the other day, and I didn't know this existed, but um, in essence, Facebook has two different types of um, you know groupings folders of videos and uh, so they have something called playlists and they have something called series uh, playlists are a collection of videos as they're noting it here a collection of videos um, for sharing a particular theme or topic right so it's it's, it's not um, it's not a series of of sequential things and then they have something called a series which is basically a um, is, which is basically a, a sequence of a program. And so, for example, Web and Beyond Live, I think, fits into what they would consider a series, an ongoing set of videos, whereas a playlist would just be a collection of videos about the same topic. So I might do a playlist about all things that are uh, what's new at Google versus the series, which is every week where uh, Web and Beyond Live goes live, and you're basically watching it in sequence. Uh, the uh, series enables you to be able to create a trailer and have seasons. So that's a very interesting concept of like a chronological order is for series, whereas a playlist is basically topical or categorical in theme um, for you. So just know that if you're doing Facebook videos um, and you want uh, videos to show up on, in Facebook Watch, that is kind of how you organize those videos between playlists and series. Okay. Uh, I wanted to also note that Facebook has launched something called the Facebook Business Suite. I have uh, been, you know, I teach full day workshops on how to get up and running in Facebook. And uh, to date, I've not had to actually teach Facebook Business Suite. And now I'm um, getting myself kind of a, my head wrapped around what Facebook's Business Suite is and why it is. Uh, but in essence, it is a new interface where you can create content, you can post content and schedule content from that interface, but you're seeing it in confluence with your uh, inbox, your messages that are coming. Uh, if you have Instagram and Facebook integrated along with Messenger, you're gonna see those messages come into your Facebook inbox, Facebook page inbox in the Facebook business suite. You're gonna see your posts, the post uh, engagement, basically analytics associated with those posts, and you're gonna see your commerce. If you're using a Facebook shop or an Instagram shop, and your advertising that is applied on top of any of those pieces. So you're seeing all of that business content really in one space. Uh, there's a bunch of other little mini tools like the ad manager, your audience manager, billing manager, and otherwise events manager, which is not, not Facebook events, but basically um, within your advertising campaigns and other um, pieces, those events, things that are happening with your Facebook page, not events that you are hosting on your Facebook account. So um, it's uh, it's an interesting new tool. I'm going to have to do a lot of work to learn more about it, uh, but just know that it is there. Now, if you go to business.facebook.com, you can then log into the Facebook business suite and you will be uh, taken to the latest screen, which is the home screen, and you'll be able to see that. Now, that is directly different than the Facebook Creator Studio, which you get to by going to business.facebook.com forward slash creator studio. Now, in the Facebook Creator Studio, you're capable of seeing your whole entire content library. You can see insights about things, your inbox, and so on and so forth, but it's really for quote-unquote creators, people who are creating content for Facebook and for their community, and, um, and that's kind of their that's their job, right? So someone who's, say, an influencer who's trying to go live and do other things on Facebook on a regular basis, I think that a lot of business owners who are not, say, influencers can still use this because it allows you to upload and add stories, upload video, go live directly from the dashboard, and I think it's a useful tool. Uh, and so just know that both of those things currently exist, and we'll start to get a better understanding of those as we uh, kind of move forward. Um, oh, so this is this is really interesting, and I just wanted to kind of point this out to everybody. But um, uh, Facebook recently uh, decided to respond to <laughs> um, the uh, the social dilemma, which was a, a Netflix documentary that came out, and it was fairly damning for uh, Facebook. And so um, I'm not going to get into the particulars here, but you can see that they put together this uh, kind of one page, two, yeah, it looks like a one page little infographic here where they uh, kind of point by point uh, disagree with the substance of the Social Dilemma documentary. I will put a link to this. They uploaded a PDF to kind of re re 
but the uh, the notion that somehow Facebook is <laughs> kind of as evil as they um, they the, the the documentary made them sound. And I think the documentary made some really strong um, uh, points about it, um, and uh, really about you know the future of children interacting on social networks. And uh, so worth watching the social dilemma on Netflix. It's also worth reading Facebook's uh, rebuttal uh, to this whole concept of. Uh, you know, really what they're saying is, um, you know, uh, dangerous uh, for, um, you know, uh, well, well, Facebook is saying they're not dangerous and the things they're doing to be able to combat all of these issues. Um, uh, hi, Robin. Uh, Robin from Startup to Growth is asking or noting, she said, YouTube is interesting. Uh, she's used Vimeo for content, quote, quote unquote, behind the wall. And it looks like YouTube might be competing in that. I, I don't, so so to kind of clarify, you know, jumping back to YouTube and diversifying your revenue, um, in essence, YouTube is giving a little bit of that, but you actually have to have at least a thousand subscribers, um, you know, on, on YouTube to begin with, to be able to gain access to the baseline features of monetizing content and so on and so forth. And then they uh, kind of graduate over time um, before you get more and more access to those kinds of YouTube membership features. Whereas with Vimeo, you're you're buying access to those features to be able to hide content. So in essence, that's not particularly going to be a, a competition for Vimeo. I think Vimeo's ability to be able to hide that content from everyone and only allow you to embed that content in one particular place or using Vimeo's, uh, what is it, Vimeo Pro, uh, the sales functionality to be able to sell videos to people uh, in either a membership function or one-off, you know, like a documentary, like the, the Social Dilemma, you could uh, potentially set it up to purchase that uh, one single video from them to watch or rent or otherwise, uh, not part of a membership uh, program. And you can do all of that on Vimeo. On YouTube, you cannot currently do that. And uh, so that's a little bit different here. YouTube is all about the community, right? So it's about building the community. And as you build a stronger community, then being able to create exclusive content for and in that community. Um, uh, Robin also noted the YouTube monetization update is very interesting and uh, you enjoy getting all the updates on social media. So wonderful. And yes, you should definitely be active on Twitter. <laughs> not that it should be your only social network, absolutely not. But uh, but I think that um, especially for you, um, you know, Twitter is a, is a fantastic, um, you know, platform for being able to touch base with local media, touch base with, with uh, local influencers, and also drive real uh, traffic, you know, real uh, traffic to your websites uh, from posting really well-crafted tweets. Okay, and uh, so moving right along, I wanted to touch base on a couple of other things. Oh, wonderful, yes. So uh, let's go over to here and voila, yes. So uh, Pinterest is hosting a uh, what they're calling Pinterest Creators Festival. This is gonna happen on October 15th. And uh, so they're gonna be hosting this festival for pinners, uh, Pinteresters, or whatever they call, uh, whatever the demonym is for um, those who use uh, Pinterest. Uh, but they have actually a really um, great lineup of speakers. It's free, you register uh, by going to PinterestCreatorsFestival.com. And as you can see, uh, they have three, six, seven, uh, 21 speakers that will be speaking over the course of the festival on a variety of different issues uh, on, you know, relating to Pinterest. Uh, so very exciting that Pinterest is hosting this event and I will uh, most certainly be in attendance and looking forward to seeing how that all uh, works. Uh, I wanted to note, I, I don't think I disclaimed this upfront earlier, but I am the Google Small Business Advisor for Productivity, and uh, and with that, I pay a lot of attention to what Google is doing, obviously, which is why I do the What's New at Google. Uh, but Google has actually come out with two new uh, web properties. They have a uh, Think with Google, uh, that is a withgoogle.com uh, platform where they provide information to business about things that they're doing. Well, basically all the very ma the major uh, 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 verticals. Uh, but in this particular case, they have two new web properties. Both of them uh, have been launched in the UK, uh, but but at least one of them is now available in the US, and the other one is UK focused really. But most businesses can actually 
get a benefit from utilizing this. So I wanted to talk about them very quickly. The first is this one, uh, which is uh, the Google Small Business um, site that is smallbusiness.withgoogle.com. So smallbusiness.withgoogle.com. And what you're able to do is you're able to type in your business name, and then they provide a whole bunch of, um, of options in terms of a digital, digital toolkit for you to be able to uh, gain access to information, get latest updates, and really how to interact and engage on Google My Business and other Google properties in light of the COVID-19 pandemic. So uh, it's a really great resource. It just gives you a bunch of, uh, of little pieces that you can pull up and you can order stickers for your, for your business and um, get advice on how to update your hours of operation and, and keep things uh, moving forward uh, throughout uh, this situation. The other is a site um, designed specifically for COVID-19 uh, resources, and this is uh, predominantly for e-commerce uh, product-focused uh, businesses. But it's the uh, Grow My Business, uh, Grow My Store. I'm sorry, Grow My Store program, and you get to it by going to growmystore.thinkwithgoogle.com. I'm sorry. Let's see. Yes. So it's this one is. Uh, <laughs> this is always so confusing. Uh, so it's uh, Grow My Store dot think with google.com whereas the other one is just small business dot with google.com uh, but in, in essence you now have the ability to see uh, trends and understand how people are really dealing in retail with um, the you know changing uh, circumstances related um, to the novel coronavirus so um, you can plug in your url to your e-commerce site and then it just entrees you forward into other things you can do to be able to boost uh, profits, boost revenues, um, you know, top line uh, sales and revenues uh, for the business uh, using uh, this evaluation that it does. So just know it's available, it's free. Uh, you might as well check it out and see um, what you have available to you in that regard. Um, okay, moving right along. Just a few more things I wanted to talk about, and then we're going to close out. And I know I apologize we ran, we're ran, we running long in this episode because I had to put so much in, uh, but I just wanted to make sure everybody had everything uh, before we uh, go forward into the uh, National Cybersecurity Awareness Month events. Uh, so a couple things. Um, TikTok, um, now notorious TikTok, but they did a good thing, uh, which is that they announced a ban on ads relating to weight loss products. And uh, and so because of the younger demographic on TikTok and obviously stigma associated with uh, weight and body shaming and so on and so forth, um, they just found that it would pose a greater risk to allow weight loss related product ads on the platform. And so they've gone ahead and banned them. Uh, uh, Pinterest, going back to Pinterest for a moment, Pinterest has brought um, something called story pins to Pinterest. Now, this is what Pinterest is explaining, uh, and I'm quoting here, story pins can be saved to boards for later and will be discoverable over time. They'll also be distributed across home feed, search results, and places like the Today tab, and benefit from the visual discovery engine that matches new ideas to people with relevant interests and tastes, end quote. So as you normally see, uh, you know, stories on Instagram and Facebook, those disappear after 24 hours as well as Snapchat, since Snapchat was the creator of the of the stories concept. Um, so you can now create these story pins that can be um, recorded videos or multiple images, and you can then add text on top of that and so on and so forth. And now you can, uh, in essence, uh, set up these story pins. Stories can also con um, be contained within a pin and um, basically and, and not on a separate stories feed. So you can actually create stories within a pin, which is kind of interesting. And uh, so um, this this has now been rolled out to a set of, of users, right? So they've, they've set this out to a number of users and they're hopefully going to um, bring this to uh, broader accessibility. But we're starting to see stories come across, right? LinkedIn now uh, launched their own LinkedIn stories. I'm gonna be testing that over the next several weeks and seeing how that works for me. And I'm open to ideas in terms of what you'd like to see me post on LinkedIn stories. Uh, but the uh, now Pinterest is bringing stories and they're trying to put their own flavor of, of what stories are going to be on that platform. Google released their web stories for, for WordPress. So we're seeing across the board all the various uh, platforms. And now the greater web is getting access to a stories concept. And uh, it just shows the power and, and efficacy of using stories as a mechanism for uh, brand messages. Um, there is a new platform out there, and uh, just because 
Uh, I I follow these things. I think it's important for us to know even if we don't use them, but there's a new platform out there. Um, it is called Triller, and it is a, comp a competitor in essence to uh, TikTok. Uh, so uh, TikTok, as well as now Instagram Reels, since Instagram Reels is a clone of TikTok. And so the Instagram Reels feature within Instagram. And uh, so uh, what Triller does is, is it's very music oriented. So in essence, um, you know, you uh, sing along with music that is in their database. They've worked out some kind of uh, database option, you know, um, some kind of licensing option to be able to use these songs. People sing along with them and they share. And I'm sure that people will be remixing and reusing uh, things, but it's picking up steam. There are a lot of, of young folks who are jumping onto the platform and uh, using Triller. So if that's your demo and you're interested, uh, go ahead and check out a, um, get a, get a Triller account before everybody takes uh, the, the, all the good names. <laughs> um, very quickly, um, uh, Cloudflare recently released uh, access to its new free web analytics. Uh, so if you don't know what Cloudflare is, it's a huge web company that does a whole bunch of things, uh, but predominantly they manage uh, DNS, uh, you know, for a lot of people. So, uh, which is the domain name uh, services for a lot of companies and they help uh, kind of transit that traffic as well as securing the traffic so that people um, aren't getting uh, distributed denial of service attacks and that kind of thing. Their primary um, kind of money maker is acting as a CDN, a, a, a content distribution network where they have um, multiple uh, versions of web data on many different servers so that when you go to access that data, it pulls it from the most uh, geographically close uh, server, which of course speeds up the process to people getting access to that data, right? So if you have a website, you might have your website on a CDN that puts it on 12, 13 different servers around the world. And when someone goes to that website address, instead of going to the server where it originally lives, it goes to one that's closest to it and downloads it from there, which makes the experience faster for the user. Well, Cloudflare has announced a free web analytics tool. Uh, it's not really challenging Google Analytics, uh, but if you have a, a kind of a privacy-focused audience, and if you want to be greater um, kind of privacy-oriented, uh, Cloudflare is providing the web analytics tool. It's free, and you can install it pretty easily, and it gives you some basic information. You know, how many people are visiting your website. They say that it's a little bit more accurate than, say, Google Analytics or otherwise. I um, kind of challenge that notion, although, you know, I'm not particularly um, certain until I kind of deep dig into the tool uh, myself. Uh, and then to close out, I just wanted to make everybody aware of this because this is kind of the future. And uh, that is to say that uh, Twilio just recently announced the, the launch of their platform, which is the, the IoT platform they are putting out there. Uh, it is, it is um, the for, for Internet of Things, which is uh, basically all the connected devices that we have out there. Uh, but if you don't use Twilio, uh, you should just know that they exist, which is uh, Twilio uh, exists to be able to provide really um, uh, SMS and messaging based uh, um, business level messaging. So uh, if you've ever received like a, a text code, like one of those SMS codes to be able to verify your phone number with Uber or with, uh, you know, um, uh, what is it? Any, any application, really, all, all of the tools that you use to be able to do it. Twitter was what, what was coming to mind. <laughs> I forgot Twitter. Um, so uh, when, you, when you get those little SMS codes texted to you, it is likely Twilio that is doing that. Uh, they, they have, um, their pricing is actually really good. They have a, a pay-as-you-go model, or you can buy different plans. Uh, but in essence, if you're trying to do any high-level messaging, Twilio is the platform to be able to do that. And uh, now they are building a secure IoT environment uh, and I think it'll be pretty accessible to small business, which means that you'll be able to interact and engage with IoT devices um, in more sophisticated uh, marketing that you want to do, but really also operations from just a, a sheer productivity perspective. If you are moving a lot of content, um, a lot of inventory around, and you start to use IoT in that capacity, um, and this could also mean not just, uh, not just inventory, but if you're moving around a lot of people, right, those people are carrying phones and Twilio now can give you some access to those pieces of the puzzle to figure out those those components, right? By um, connecting and utilizing IoT, say on vehicle fleets, on other things, this is giving you that kind of um, connectivity and power. So just wanted everybody to know that Twilio was doing this 
and that it's becoming available uh, in this kind of business-friendly uh, way. So with that, I have a couple of announcements and I just wanna make sure that everybody is aware. Um, tomorrow I am hosting uh, the second roundtable in our virtual small business roundtables and we're going to be talking about pivoting during and through the pandemic and so if you're interested in joining us for the for the roundtable uh, you will just uh, go to www.webandbeyond.community you'll go ahead and uh, create an account i'll approve you and then you'll see the event in there with the zoom link and everything else like that and you can join us uh, that brings me to the point that i have launched this new digital community for small business owners it's free to join i just want to be able to to bring us all together and to be able to interact and engage. Uh, you can watch uh, past content that I'm producing and all kinds of other fun things. I'll have my webinar series in there and I'll be kind of writing um, the new edition of my book along the way and uh, publishing uh, webinars within the uh, Web and Beyond community so you can all kind of interact with it and give back feedback and all kinds of other things. So um, it helps me as much as it does you uh, in terms of learning these new uh, tactics for being able to market and manage uh, in the digital age. Uh, but also interact and engage with other small business owners, learn from each other. Uh, we're going to launch some business mastermind groups and all kinds of other fun things on the platform, and I'm looking forward to engaging with everyone. So uh, again, www.webandbeyond.community. Uh, and then last but not least, I just wanted to cover that we have um, th three more episodes in October of Web and Beyond Live, and they're going to be a little bit unique from our normal episodes. So on 1012, uh, I will be uh, doing a, a, we'll be going live again, just as we normally do here at 11 a.m. Eastern. And uh, and I'll be talking about the NIST, which is the National Institute for Standards and Technology uh, within the federal government. And I'll be talking about their cybersecurity framework uh, from a small business perspective. So I'll be talking about the five uh, areas or components of their cybersecurity framework. Uh, and again, this is in, in kind of commemoration in, in, uh, in of National Cybersecurity Awareness Month, which is hosted by the National Cybersecurity Alliance, as well as uh, CISA, which is the Cybersecurity Infrastructure and, Secu and, and Security Agency uh, within the federal government. And so 1012, it'll be me talking to you like I normally do, but it'll be more webinar style uh, where I'll be showing you around the cybersecurity framework. Uh, on 1019, I have a special guest who will be joining me here, uh, which will be us talking about cybersecurity owner and staff training. Uh, so I will have Mike Gibbs, who is a, a longtime cybersecurity expert, uh, editor of a uh, an industry magazine uh, on cybersecurity. Uh, he's an attorney. And so Michael Gibbs will be joining me to talk about cybersecurity training for both yourself and your staff to make sure that you stay cyber resilient. On 1026, uh, our last Monday of the month, we'll be um, coming to you to talk about uh, using cybersecurity as really a business advantage and uh, using uh, all of the cybersecurity practices that we'll have talked about next week and then the week after and really talking about that from that perspective. I'm going to have Vince Chrysler, who is also a, a noted cybersecurity expert in the federal government, and he has left federal government and has now um, started a company called Dark Cubed. And, uh, and so he's the CEO of Dark Cubed, and Vince will be um, joining me to talk about really using uh, cybersecurity as a competitive advantage uh, for your business. So that's going to be the rest of our month together. If you have any questions, um, you know, feel free to leave a comment on the video. If you feel to tweet or message me at W, the number three consulting, W3 consulting on Twitter. Uh, as you know, I'm a Twitter fan. Um, and if you've enjoyed this live stream, feel free to hit the thumbs up icon. And uh, that helps us make new small business friends. It helps um, kind of elevate uh, the video on YouTube. And so thank you for doing so. Um, we've come to the end of our time together. And uh, we do this every Monday for the upcoming webinar style um, videos for National Cybersecurity Awareness Month, uh, you're just going to come right back here to the Web and Beyond, uh, uh, Web and Beyond live, uh, live streams, same place on our YouTube channel. They're public. You'll be able to watch them just like any other time. And so with that, thanks so much for spending this Web and Beyond live with me. I'm Ray Sidney Smith on behalf of W3 Consulting and W3C Web Services. Here's to your success marketing and managing on the Web and Beyond. Take care, everybody.